So Lord, this morning, we do commit ourselves to you again. And we thank you that we serve a God who is no longer on the cross or in the grave, but alive. We thank you this morning, Jesus, that you are living and you are moving and you are working in this church and in our lives and across the world. God, this morning we want to recommit ourselves to you again. God, our lives are in your hands. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you welcome us to draw near. Thank you, God, that you beckon us and you, and you, you draw us to yourself. So, Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you. God, have all of us. There will be no areas of our lives that are unrepentant or, un, or in the dark. God, I pray that you would expose and you would draw near. Grant us that forgiveness that we sang about today because of what you have done upon the cross for us. So we again today, we say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. We've got one more song. We're going to hold off on that until uh, at the end of the message. I'm so thankful for a worship team that serves us. Week in and week out with just giving their time and practice and energy just to, for us, that we could just fix our eyes upon Jesus. So how, how good of God to bring us a team who is in a leader like Adam, who would just lay their lives and time and energy and all those things down to serve us and point us towards Jesus. It is, they are a gift to us. We need to be thankful for servants in the church who continually pour themselves out, and they've been doing this every single week. And so we are so thankful for that. If you want to turn with me to Luke, this is our third week in the book of Luke. We're going to, be, we're going to camp out here in Luke for a little bit. So we're going to just put your, book, your, your markers in your Bible right here. But what I want to do this morning is look at the work of the, the Holy Spirit in, the, in chapters 1 and 4 of Luke. And as we begin to talk about Luke and the the ministry of Jesus and the, what Jesus has done, the salvation that He has accomplished for us. We understand that one of Luke's points or themes in the book is this work of the Holy Spirit. Not just the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke, but then after Jesus has died, is resurrected, ascended into heaven, sends the Holy Spirit to continue the, His very ministry on the earth. So the ongoing work of the Spirit isn't just for the book of Luke, it's for the book of Acts and beyond, and to our church today. So we have to understand, what is the Holy Spirit doing? What is the Holy Spirit about? And so we believe in, a, in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. This is not three separate and unique and different gods, it would be tritheism, and it's not one God with three different kind of split personalities. It's called modalism. If we believe that, we'd have some major problems with who's Jesus praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happens at his baptism. Who's the, I mean, we'd have to do all kinds of uh, theological gymnastics to try to figure that out. But we see the work of God the Holy Spirit really highlighted for us in the book of Luke. And so I want to just bring our attention to a couple different places. 
I was at the Gospel Coalition this week, which is a major kind of nationwide conference for evangelicals, and it was a great, great conference. One of the messages I heard there was about the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit, and it really stirred me. And as I began to listen to this message, I thought, man, this message is for us. And so I pulled a couple points out of that message and made it specific for us at Mercy Hill. But it also got me thinking as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit and even the mission that Jesus was on, what's our mission? What are we here for? What are we doing here? We went around the room and said, okay, why are you here this morning? We may find some different answers. But for us, I want to clarify some of the things of why we are here. What are we doing? Why do we gather here on Sunday mornings? Why is it important for us to sing? And so, what's the point of it all? I wrote down two things that I want to talk about today. Number one, we believe that God has put us here strategically to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in Jesus. Guys, we sing, what joy, we, what joy for those whose hope is in the Lord. That's true. There, our sin has separated us from God. Not just our sin, but the sin of the world. Everybody. Their sin has separated them from a holy and perfect and a righteous God. Their sin, our sin, my sin, is offensive to God. It displeases God. And therefore, God just can't turn a blind eye and say, okay, we'll just pretend like that's not happening. Because all of our sin is first and foremost against God, but it's against other people as well. And so our sin is offensive to God and it separates us from God. But thanks be to Jesus who came and went to the cross and took the full wrath of God that we deserved, that I deserved. Each one of us deserves the wrath of God. And Jesus Christ came and he drank the full measure of God's wrath against sin. God's wrath was poured out upon Jesus and he drank the cup of God's wrath. And then at the end, he turned the cup over and there was not a drop of wrath left for us. He drank it all. He says, you know what? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he died for our sins, we turn away from our sins, putting our hope in Jesus, that that, that sacrifice on the cross was for us. Now we get forgiveness. It's the great exchange. When we deserve wrath, we get forgiveness. Because Jesus, who deserved, who deserved nothing, received our wrath that was upon our heads. And you, can, you have an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus, say, I believe that. Or to go off into eternity saying, no, I'll, I'll deal with it myself. I'll do it my way. I don't need Jesus. And so there's this point where we say, this is good news. It's good news for all of us because we don't get what we deserve. Instead of getting judgment, we receive mercy. Instead of hell, we receive paradise with Jesus for eternity. This is good news for all of us. And God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. That's not just good news for when we get saved for the first time. That's good news every single day. 
that we can't earn our salvation. We can't earn, we can't do enough good deeds to pay back for lying or for lusting or for greed. And Jesus today says, forgiven, restored, redeemed, my child. So we approach God today. We can worship today as his sons and daughters. Not under the condemnation of death, but given the gift of life. So this is good news for us. We sing these songs. These songs are good news. We don't get what we deserve. So God has put us here strategically to bring this message to all people. We want people to know and see Jesus. To put their hope in Jesus. Because there's no other way. Secondly, we believe God will not only, by His grace, by His kindness and His mercy, use us corporately as a church, but individually in our own lives to accomplish this most holy mission. This is a most holy mission that God has called us to. Sometimes we think about church and what's it for me? How, do I, how am I blessed? I like to sing songs. I want my kids to learn some good things that challenge ministry. But really, God says, look, that's good. We want you to be blessed. We want you to grow. We want your children to know about Jesus. Absolutely. God's got us on a most holy mission. He's got a purpose for us being here. We're here to honor and glorify and enjoy Jesus above everything else, both as a church and individually. So that's the point of all this. So, how does God do this? What's the means by which God accomplishes this mission? Think about weightlifting or trying to get strong or getting in shape. The means to getting in shape and getting strong is through weightlifting and exercise. What's the means for us to accomplish this mission? Well, let's look in Luke. And the way that God does this, first and foremost, is through the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, turn with me to Luke 1, verses 15 and 17. We haven't covered this yet. We will around Christmas. We'll go back to it. But I want to highlight for us the work of the Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit's work? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Luke 1, 15 through 17. For He will be great before the Lord. This is John the Baptist talking about. And He must not drink wine or strong drink. And He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from His mother's womb. And He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And He will go before Him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready the Lord, a people prepared. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in this? He's preparing the way for Jesus. He's preparing the way for for Jesus. He's preparing people, specifically, preparing people for Jesus. We looked at this in, in Luke 3. We talked about John the Baptist in, in his ministry and his message. It's repentance and faith. Turning away from your sin, turning towards Jesus in faith, 
But this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's preparing the way, preparing people for Jesus. And so us as a charismatic, reformed church, we believe in the, in the empowering and the work of the Spirit. And so often when people talk about the Holy Spirit, it's just like this, we talk just about the gifts of the Spirit and what, what has the Holy Spirit gifted you with and what gifts are in operation in your church and are you a Spirit-filled church? And I want to say, first and foremost, unless the Holy Spirit is there, you're not even a church. There's no such thing as a non-Spirit-filled church, okay? Because if the Holy Spirit there, that's church. But I think what we do is when we only limit the work of the Spirit to, this, to this, the gifts of the Spirit, which the Holy Spirit does do, and He is in operation today in the gifts, in the church, in our lives. Amen to that. He is doing that. However... There's this other huge, massive section of what the Holy Spirit is doing in, in the Word of God. He's preparing the way for Jesus. He's getting the people ready for Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is, is not only doing the gifts and enabling people for that, but He's also doing this. He's preparing hearts for Jesus. Listen, if you have put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ, it wasn't because you figured it out because you're so smart, because you've got so much going on, because theologically you're so astute and everyone else is kind of dull, the Holy Spirit went to work on your heart and He was turning you towards Jesus. It is the work of Almighty God that had grace and mercy upon your life to do that. I want to say, if you're sitting here in church today and you're like, well, kind of like this Holy Spirit thing, I'm not quite sure. The fact that you're even here in church today, God's preparing your heart for Jesus. You didn't come here on your own volition. This is the work of Almighty God. Any good that we see in our own lives, any movement towards God was, was, was the work of the Holy Spirit in us, moving us towards Himself. It's an evidence of God's grace upon your life. So number two. So f- number one. Through the Holy Spirit, God's preparing a people for Jesus. Number two, the Holy Spirit is provoking the worship of Jesus. Now let's look in Luke 1, verse 67. The Holy Spirit is provoking the worship of Jesus. Luke 1, verse 67. And his father, Zechariah, again, this is John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now it goes on and talks about the ministry of John the Baptist. But I want us to get this. What is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is provoking worship of Jesus. Prophetically, provoking worship of Jesus. And so when we come here today, we have the opportunity and the privilege to sing, and we do, that worship has been provoked by the Holy Spirit. That is the work of Almighty God in your life, provoking you to worship. Now, worship is much bigger than just singing songs on Sunday morning. It is so many other things. Well, in the context of where we are right now, this is the Holy Spirit provoking the worship of Jesus. All right. 
Now let's turn over to Luke 4. Luke 4, verse 18. Again, just backing up to verse 14, Jesus returns from the wilderness and the power of the Spirit begins to preach in the synagogues. We talked about that last week. Now Jesus says this in Luke 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the Holy Spirit he's talking about. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What is he upon him to do? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's anointing, He's empowering with a proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what He's doing. When we talk about as a church, we believe that God has placed us here to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to all the world. We say that, not saying that we do that on our own strength, not saying that we're going to figure out and put together such strategic ministries that are going to just do all these great things. We first and foremost realize that we are completely and absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to give us any measure of proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what God is doing. This is the work of the Spirit in our midst, in our lives, in our church. This is the work of the Spirit. And there's a theme that runs through these, and there's more, but there's a theme in these three verses. There's there's a, a uniting theme to what the Holy Spirit's doing. What is that theme? It is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. This is what the Spirit's doing. He's pointing back to Jesus. He's preparing the way for Jesus. He's provoking worship of Jesus. He's enabling the proclamation of the good news of Jesus. This is what the Spirit's doing in our midst. He's pointing us back to Jesus time and time and time again. This is what He's doing. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Pointing us back to Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. You don't have to turn there. But John 16, Jesus is spending the last meal with his disciples. And at the end of the meal, he sits down and says, Guys, I want to tell you something. I'm about ready to go. And I want to just tell you some things that are so important to me that I have to get off my chest because I'm not going to be with you again like this. And so this is the final discourse, the final teaching, the final time of, of just teaching his disciples about what's important. If you could think of, of moments before your death, if you had to impart something to the people closest to you, the things that you would say would not be trivial. It would be very important. Here Jesus in John 16 is sitting down with his disciples. He says this. He says, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. He says, guess what? I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's got a mission. And it's this, to bring glory to me, Jesus. He is going to bring glory to Jesus. That's exactly what we see the Spirit doing here in the book of Luke. Continually bringing people back to Jesus. And it's exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit 
would be doing. So, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Preparing, He's provoking, He's proclaiming about Jesus. But what part do we play in this? What do we do? What's our role? Well, what we do is we respond to God's initiative. We respond. We're responders. We don't initiate ourselves. We respond to Almighty God and what He's doing. What is God doing? It's glorifying Jesus Christ. He's glorifying Jesus Christ. That's Colossians 1.18. We read this high, this, this, this snippet of a, of a psalm or a hymn in the early church, and it's this, it's this glorious few verses about the greatness of Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 1.18, we read that in everything, Jesus might be preeminent. That in everything, in the church, in creation, in our lives, that Jesus Christ would have preeminence. It'd be greater than, more glorious than anything else in our lives. Because that's the purpose. That's the point. And so we respond to this. And we say, Lord, let my life, let my church, let my home, let my family make Jesus preeminent. Respond to the work of the Spirit to see Jesus Christ preeminent in all things. Now, there's a couple of things that I begin to think about this message this week. Didn't have a whole lot of time to do it. But as I was thinking about this message and about our church and where we're at as a church, I felt God put some things in my heart for us. Areas in our lives that we can cooperate with the working of the Spirit. And I believe what the Holy Spirit has initiated in us. Or another way to say this in areas in our lives as a church that we respond to the Holy Spirit. Now, as I say these things, sometimes we can look at them as like, well, that's just some good ideas. Let me give you guys some helpful tips of wisdom kind of thing. You know, a couple years back, it's probably about five years back, I wanted to go to the doctor to get a checkup. I felt fine. I wasn't sick. I just want to get a checkup. I haven't been to the doctor in like 10 years, so I want to just kind of get a checkup on how am I doing, doc? So we're in HMO. There happens to be like three doctors in, in, that I can choose from, so you know the probably the quality of those doctors, but Michelle begins to read me the names of the doctors, and lo and behold, one of the doctors has a last name that's Dutch. I'm like, sweet, from the brotherhood. This guy's like probably the best doctor in America, and he happens to be one of the three that I can choose from. How fortunate am I to have this guy given to me by God to serve me? So go in, give my $10 copay, sit down and talk to the doc, and takes my measurements and asks me how I'm doing, you know, what's going on and on. So at the end of it, he's like, okay, let me give you kind of my analysis on how you're doing. He's like, you're overweight. It's a problem. Yes, I am. He's like, I think I was about 220 at the time, and I should be around 180, so I'm about 40 pounds overweight. He's like, you know what? Everyone's overweight. You're good. You probably don't need to lose any weight. I'm like sweet like this is like i knew this guy was going to be good but in all reality i thought man that's not helpful you need to give me the truth man you need to like like scare me a little bit here give me some like hard truth hey you know what i'm so sorry you're overweight by 40 pounds 
you're gonna your life span will be shortened. You're not gonna you know just on and on and on and okay, I'll, whatever it takes, Doc, I'll do it, kind of thing. But it's not because it's scary because I don't want to hear it or because he's inflating something. He's just telling me the truth. That's what I want. I want my doctor to tell me the truth. I want him to give me just some kind of tips of his own wisdom because he himself is a little bit overweight. I think he's just kind of like, oh, hey, everyone's a little bit. He's like, everyone's overweight. We live in America. You're okay. You're just, you know, I don't want to hear that. I want the truth from my doctor. And so the things that I, I want to share with you today with what I believe the Lord is doing and the way that we respond to God isn't like the, hey, I'm the Dutch doctor, guys. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You do whatever you want. Everyone kind of does it this way. I don't want to be like that. So I never went back to him again, unfortunately. Turns out to be one of the worst doctors in America. Sad. Now I've only got two to choose from. So let's hope these guys are good, right? All right. So this is how we grow in love for God, in dependence with God, and in relationship to God. God has made means and ways for us to become dependent upon His Holy Spirit, to hear from His Holy Spirit, to get direction from the Holy Spirit in order that we may glorify Jesus Christ individually and as a church. So area number one for us is church. Now church, I know we can get into battle, church is in a building and it's people and we're two or three, again. okay, whatever, amen, I agree. However, what I'm talking about right now is our Sunday morning meetings. This has got to be a priority for us. This is the place, and I know everyone sitting here is here at church, so I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but this is important for us. This is where we hear the Word of God proclaimed to us. This is where we worship Jesus. This is where we have the opportunity to encourage and minister and bless the other people around us. There's people sitting around you right now who are going through a a difficult time in their life, who are struggling with addictions and hardship, and you have the unique responsibility, I said responsibility, to care for those people around you. This is one of the imperatives of the Word of God. Bear one another. Bear one another's burdens. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be kind to one another. There's all these one another's. And sure, we can live those out in other places, but it really works out well when we begin to live those out here at church. This is important to us. And it's not just, this is more than just attendance. I'm not talking about just showing up. Because we can, we can look at that. Well, I was at church on Sunday. I kind of did my duty. It's not that. This is not a spectator, just passive, cavalier thing that we just happen to do on Sunday mornings. The game wasn't on. Uh, it's not so nice outside. As soon as that weather turns, man, I'm out of here. It's not like that. This is a priority to us because this is a priority to God. So the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Do not neglect meeting together. This is important for us. Not only just for you individually, but for the other people sitting around you. This is how we care and love and serve one another. Like I said, this is not about checking the box off that I attended church this week. This is a we get to attend church. There's people all over the world right now who are meeting in basements, who are meeting in secrecy because they're afraid for their lives. They get caught. They're imprisoned. 
They're separated from their, their families, all kinds of stuff. And we get to openly come to church Sunday mornings and worship. That's number one. Number two, the aspect of prayer, both individually and corporately. I think for us, prayer is so neglected. We get so busy with everything. One of the first things to go is the thing that we It's like taking, prioritizing our day and saying, you know what, the most important things I'm not going to do, I'm going to do everything else that's unimportant. But prayer for us has got to be a priority. This is, this is what God's given us to do. We said from the very beginning of this church plan, if you're here, you've come recently, we're so glad you're here. One of, the, one of the foundations of our church, one of the foundations of the ministry that God has given us right here in this place, one of the very foundations, corporately and individually, this is important for us. We lift others up, we seek the Lord. We do this corporately here on Sunday morning, on Wednesday nights, one Wednesday a month, we've chosen to look. Guys, Wednesday nights, one Wednesday a month, we're going to come together as a church and we're going to pray. We're going to do this thing. I know there's, there's a million reasons why we can't make it. Kids are bad, so we can't, we can't go because kids need... Look, kids are bad. You really need to be here. Hey, my marriage is... I'm in a rough place in my marriage. and You need to be there. It's like saying I'm too sick to go to the hospital. You need to be there. This is important for us. This is one of the foundations of our church. And so quickly neglected. It's like everything in the world is pulling against us to be there. Absolutely. I experience that every time we have a prayer meeting. Kids are acting up, got something going. It's just every time. We need to prioritize this. Not because we check a box off and say we attended a prayer meeting, but because we come realizing how needy we are. We are needy. We need Jesus. And this is one area and one means of grace, one area of our life that we can say, God, I'm going to come and I'm going to surrender to you and I'm going to get prayer and I'm going to come ready to pray and pray for other people, and care for people and love people that way. One of the, the greatest ways that I as a pastor can love you is to pray for you. And I pray for you. Pray for your children. I pray for your marriages. Pray for your health. I pray for your walk with God. One of the most important ways that I can care for you. I pray for you. I think for us, that that attitude that we need to have with prayer is that we are so we can't figure this thing out ourselves. We're not able to fix stuff ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to break in. We need to surrender our lives to Him. I added this just this morning as I was thinking about this, is life share groups. Life share groups are the, the place, it's, it's, they're small groups that meet in people's homes throughout the week. Sometimes it feels like, well, maybe it's optional, maybe I don't, I got something else going on. I understand we're all busy, but this is a priority for us. Because this is the way in which we begin, like we said about we live out the one in others, we live out the one in others in life share group in a greater measure than we do on a Sunday morning. In the life group, we have time to sit down and talk. Instead of listening to me talk for half an hour, 
you have an opportunity to care and love one another. Care the things that are on your heart. Receive prayer. Care for, care for children. Care for the adults. Care the things that God has been showing you in His Word. This is important for us. If you are not in a life share group, you need to get involved in one. Because this is an area that God has given us to do. This is a means of grace. This is another way in which we humble ourselves and say, God, there's a million other things going on right now. The game's on. The weather's nice. I got to take the kids to pr- Whatever you've got going on, we've all got those things. But this is the way that we say, you know what? Most importantly for me, for my house, that we will serve the Lord. We will, we will lay down what is precious to us, our time and our energy. We're going to seek Almighty God with other believers. Because I need people in my life who will ask me how I'm doing, who will pray for me, who will love me. That is what is most important. Like I said, this is the place where we humble ourselves. We don't come to church because we've got everything figured out. We come to church because we are needy. We're needy for the Lord. We need God to help us. God, how do I raise my children? God, how do I lead my own heart? How do I follow in your purposes? How do I fulfill the mission that you've given me to do and the purposes of God for my life? God, I need you. Lord, I am needy for this. I, haven't, I can't figure it out myself. God, break in. These are areas that we submit ourselves to God, to his Holy Spirit, and hear from him. And I feel like as a church, we have, we have prayed and we've prayed and we've sought the Lord. We said, God, we need a building. You're calling us to get back to one service again, right? We, we, God, pray for a building. It's like immediately, there's a building. Thank you, God. God, we want to see people come to know Jesus and love Jesus. People come in and find hope in Jesus. And it's God's goodness. And at this point, as a church, I feel like we've gotten a bit lethargic. I feel like we've gotten a bit dull. That these things are so important to us. And I think as a church, not everyone, but we have neglected the what is most important for us. So I want to I want to encourage us. Let's not get dull. I don't want to go to a lethargic, apathetic church. I don't. I don't want to be a pastor of one. I don't want to attend one. I don't want my kids to go to one. And I know that you don't either. I know that you don't want to go to a boring, dry, dead church. I know you don't. I don't either. We need to recommit ourselves to God and submit ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit so that we don't become that church. Because we so quickly and easily drift into that. We say, Lord, we want to see you do some things, and he does. And then we say, okay, that's great, thanks. No, we press on for more. God, there's more for us here. You're not done with us yet. So we press on into the Lord. Here's the, here's the good news. When we get lethargic, apathetic, lukewarm, distant from God. God says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. He's not saying draw near when things are good, which he does want us to do. He's saying draw near when you need help, when you need mercy, when you need grace. Draw near to the throne. This is a blood-bought promise for us. That we come before Almighty God, not based upon what we have done, or our good deeds, or our church attendance, or our prayer life, or our, our Bible reading, or memorization. We come before Almighty God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And His death and resurrection. That we come before the throne of of grace, of grace, because of what Jesus has done for us. That we can come before Almighty God and say, God, forgive me, restore me. I'm apathetic, I'm lethargic. I don't want to sing, I don't want to hear a message, I don't want to go to church. Help me, help me. I know this is what you want me to do and I need you to help me. He says, man, draw near, draw near to him. I want to close, and I want just if Adam could come up. We've got he. There's one song that I want us to sing together. But as Adam is coming up to lead us in that song, I want to just pray. Like I said, we need Jesus. We need Almighty God to break into our lives. We need God to help us break us of our apathy, of our lukewarmness. We need God to show up and to move and by His Spirit do the very things that He has called us to do. So let's stand. Lord Jesus, Lord, we confess, we confess our need for You. Lord, we are weak. God, we are apathetic. And Lord, we need Your Holy Spirit to come in and to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Lord, we need you to, to turn our hearts towards Jesus. We need you to provoke worship of Jesus. We need you to give us the strength to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask now that by your Spirit you would pour out upon us your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And God, I ask that you would forgive us God, forgive us of our apathy. Forgive us when we've come to church and we've, we've prioritized, God, just our own thoughts and, Lord, just our own ideas about what we should be doing or if we like this song or what's going on after church or anything like that, God. Forgive us. Lord, we need you to provoke worship from our hearts. So, God, provoke us. Let there be a provocation in our hearts to worship. Lord, that would be an evidence for us that you are at work in our hearts, in our lives, in our church. Lord Jesus, we are desperate for you. We need you. So God, help us. God, even as we sing this song, oh God, your spirit wash over us. Spirit, soften our hard hearts. Heal our broken hearts. Give us the grace to do the things that you've called us here to do.
Help it to be a proclamation of the glory of Jesus Christ, of the hope we no longer sit under judgment and wrath. We are called to draw near for mercy and grace. God, let that be our song. Let that be our hope. Let that be the message we proclaim. In Jesus' name.